War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. The problem with your heating system? Call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562 24-hour emergency service gas boiler oil burner coogan heating 401-732-6562 they're helpful trustworthy reliable explore their services look for them on facebook and the website is recooganheating.com residential services as coogie says let us into your home don't fix it alone plumbing heating and cooling from winter to summer Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, installation, RE Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold, it's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. It's Coogie, it's 24 hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago, our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. Listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, weekdays, we start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. This portion of the program brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Make it a great day. Ron's Pastry Gourmet, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. Stop in and see them. Everything baked fresh, delicious fresh calzones, sausage and pepper, wimpy skimpy, right off at Silver Spring Street next to AAA in Providence. The most delicious chocolate donuts. Ron's Pastry Gourmet. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 7 in the morning until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Everything baked fresh. Remember, free coffee. For police, military, first responders, Ron's Pastry Gourmet, and the, the most delicious fresh calzones. All right, I want to play Governor McKee at his press briefing. Let's pick it up. Q&A regarding the situation um, with the contract that the individual running for governor did not receive. This is uh, Governor McKee yesterday. Candidate for governor. So first of all, I learned when the media reported it, uh, whenever that might have been the first time the media reported it. I think that, that uh, the name, you know, the candidate's name was filtered around. He won't I, say I Ashley Kalis. I've never met her. So, <clears throat> but that's when. Uh, yeah, we, you know, campaign shouldn't be getting in the way of, in, in, in terms of policy, especially during a, a pandemic that we we're in. So the answer is no. Uh, it's clearly from my point of view, because I didn't engage with that decision-making, that, that that decision-making on terms of testing and all the vaccinations uh, we've made out of the Department of Health. So um, so they, you would have to kind of ask them about why they made the shift. It was, um, it was a friend of his uh, that and, got the new contract. Uh, other than that, I really can't but give you Everything's an inside deal. Well, we have asked them, and the answers are not really clear. So I'm wondering what light you can shed on it, that it not only was taken away from her company, which had gotten such marks in the original bidding but also why it went to a company that i gather has long associations with you owner of the patak or the president of the patakit country club there you um, go folks there's always there a connection with him from her company everything's an inside you know. deal and by the way are you a member of that country club 
Yeah, I've been a member of uh, the, con- the golf course for many years. I do know the owners of the, of the company you're talking about. So they got the contract. Remember, they were engaged before oh, I got here in wow. terms of contract and the oh, work that's being done. So unreal. Any, any association uh, that uh, relative to what you know you're inferring that potentially there was favoritism there, that was uh, that company was on board before I got into office. That's not true. That's not true. No, but, it, but it definitely in the loop, and, and uh, that was a decision that was made. Uh, and based on, I would imagine, uh, based on the another inside uh, deal, you know, the, the performance, based on the on the uh, on the on the work that needed to be done. So, I'll, you know, those those decisions were made outside of our office, uh, as um, decisions have been made. No, in terms it wasn't. Of a number of those things. So I, I'm not aware of the of the background on that. Okay, really just to follow up, you mentioned uh, performance. This is Kathy Gregg of the Providence Journal. Any issue about the performance of doctor's test centers in Rhode Island? No. Well, then why did you say performance? Uh, Governor, there was a state police Perfect. shooting in Woonsocket last night. They don't wear body cameras. Last year, you he gave them bonuses to, to wear body cameras. The state with body cameras, that hasn't yet happened. Uh, can you say? What's taking so long, and are you concerned about that? Or Brian Crandall of NBC10. Yeah, so I think that we've... Uh, he gave them $3,000 bonus to wear the body the, camera. The current colonel and the new colonel. They had a shooting, and the, they weren't wearing body cameras. Uh, Do they have to give the 3000 back? Legislation passed. We've been put, we put up the funding for it. We, I support uh, <coughs> the, the, the program, uh, and I would have to get back to you in terms of what the timing issue is on that. Do you think it's a problem at all, though, that basically only two police departments in the state have body cameras at this point? And ha- that's been the situation. Providence and the state police. Well, we didn't mandate it, right? So it's, it's, it, what we did was we funded it. So we, you know, we funded uh, the – so it's a, it's a, it's a you know, community-by-community choice. I'd encourage it. I think that uh, based on you know, where we've been over the last couple of years uh, relative to those issues in terms of policing, I think it protects not only the – uh, the police, the police, in terms of their, the jobs they do, which is difficult, and then also certainly a, a, um, a protection for the, um, the citizens as well. And could, could you just uh, say why you're dropping out of the uh, RIPEC gubernatorial forum next week when all the other candidates are there? Yeah, so I, I think I've been very clear. Even Hardly. On announcement, uh, Agreed I was twice. That. I'll, I'll engage in these, these uh, debates and and. and, and uh, forums once everybody signs their name on the line that they're, they're running and I'm gonna have to do that as well and so the campaign in that respect will begin when those when that paperwork is filed Anita? Uh, Governor what's your reaction to the following poll, poll numbers uh, the morning console poll that came out today yeah, polls down 18 go. points we're, you know we're focused on the work that needs to be done and and the uh, you know the that we want to get passed for the programs that we want to address in terms of housing you know 250 million dollars there the uh the fact of the matter is he dropped 18 points in this poll that came out and listen without question that is that is problematic as a result of that um providence journal today even has uh in their headline amid polling numbers and folks if you check to petro.com i have the poll Governor McKee, it's it's actually he has plummeted in the polls down to just 42 percent. Check to Petro.com. We um, we have it where he is. He's one point away from being the least popular governor in the state. And I go through the timeline or I believe the factors that have have led to that because it certainly didn't happen overnight. But it's just been kind of a drip, drip, drip of various things that. It, it's how that came out that way. And and <clears throat> there is a story. How did Republican candidate for Governor Ashley Hiller win the win then lose her basically an eight million dollar contract with the state? And I want to give credit to the Providence Journal. They're still trying to get an answer for the whole thing. They can't get an answer for the whole thing for uh, exactly with with what happened. Um and then I, I'll give credit in, in the Providence Journal, McKee plunging in polls to skip planned debate. Governor McKee pulled out of a planned gubernatorial debate next week as a new online poll showed him his popularity has fallen dramatically since last year. He was supposed to participate this forum May 5th, 
but yesterday said he won't do any debates to the election ballot is set at the end of june it's into july uh he says he will he skipped the first debate in february folks this is without question listen it's a problem if you log on at petro.com you'll see exactly i believe the numbers of why it's a problem and in a, a real problem uh for him and there's also a piece in the this morning the uh the boston globe this morning just how dramatic the fall is um <clears throat> compared to senator reed this is dan mcgowan a lot more popular than governor mckee senator reed has a u.s senator jack reed 54 percent approval rating in rhode island tying him for number 11 among his colleagues in the senate new poll his approval rating is six points higher than senator sheldon whitehouse at 48 percent and far ahead of governor mckee who checked in at 42 percent the increase in mckee's disapproval rating he went from 25 percent to 40 percent is the biggest among all governors running for re-election this fall so um also as far as mckee has seen his approval rating folks listen to this drop from 60 percent to 42 percent wow um i'm going to come back to you know the the question is and and he he that that's the the question where he's asked about that to me that's like a set line again folks i had a conflict so i i would have liked to attend that but you you can see it uh mckee plummets 17 18 points actually in new poll 18 points in new poll and there's there's also how about the fact folks check to petro.com there's a, a candidate running for governor who wants a 35 dollar minimum wage 35 dollar an hour minimum wage democrat he has plummeted 17 points it's actually 18 points you know it started last august with tony silva his former chief of staff then last september was the first time we heard the words ilo contract and then in november is when he went on the two-week vacation as covid was returning he was battling with dr nicole alexander scott who's been getting forty six thousand dollars a month and then finally you know she left but not before she grabbed 140k out the door and then you learned we learned the providence teachers were all getting three thousand dollar bonuses then all the state workers start getting three thousand dollar bonuses then the judges are getting three thousand dollar bonuses uh judges lifetime appointments of the bench were given three thousand dollars as retention bonuses and then he has just been spreading the money around you have the super scam building you have uh prison guards making over three hundred thousand dollars a year and then to top it all off is in fact the fbi poll so uh, excuse me fbi probe fbi probe so it is um i mean i, I i'm not i that's i think it has just led to that and in in everything seemingly just it, it it just seems to come down to uh just one inside deal after another with governor mckee i don't know how else to describe it so and think of that it, it is actually an 18 point drop folks this portion of the john DePietro show hey grilling season is here how's your grill why not get a new grill makes all the difference in the world yeah i'll tell you who has a great selection you can pop it and see them and that is jay's broadway appliance and tv 47 cedar swamp road route 5 smithfield call them 401-949-7800 tremendous selection on grills they've been in business since 1963 and remember you deal directly with the owner they'll mat match or beat any package deal and saturday and sundays are a buyer appointment look for them on facebook they have a very great web a very good website jsappliance.com but what a great selection on grills whether it's old traditional charcoal or maybe it's uh propane or you know a gas grill or, or maybe it's electric jay's broadway appliance and tv stop it and see them 47 cedar swamp road route 5 smithfield i like you can just pull right right up to the front door now i just want to play because of the shooting the other night the uh state police did give an extensive explanation on exactly with uh, what happened i want to play this is uh colonel colonel jim manny to provide information as to yesterday's officer involved shooting in the city of one socket 
I want to note that the investigation is open and ongoing, and we're here to provide as much information as possible. These are the facts. Yesterday, April 27th, Wednesday, 2022, at 12.30 p.m., a woman came to the Lincoln Barracks and alleged that at 10.30 a.m., a man known to her as Russell Dufault, age 58, of Portsmouth, Rhode Island, assaulted and held her at gunpoint against her will in the driveway of her little Compton home. The suspect demanded $80,000 that he believed was stolen by a member of her family. The victim stated that Dufault forcibly removed her from her vehicle, pointed the gun at her, and threatened to kill her. After approximately 30 minutes, Dufault let the victim leave the scene. A court-authorized arrest warrant was issued for Dufault for felony assault and kidnapping. Based on the indication of a firearm being used during the incident, and based on Dufault's criminal history, which included several counts of armed robbery in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, the warrant was turned over to the Rhode Island State Police Violent Fugitive Task Force. The Rhode Island State Police Violent Fugitive Task Force is comprised of 18 members from the Rhode Island State Police, the United States Marshal Service, and several municipal police departments. It is co-managed by the Rhode Island State Police and the United States Marshal Service. The Violent Fugitive Task Force is responsible for tracking and locating members, subjects, that are wanted on violent felony charges. Members of the Violent Fugitive Task Force track and investigate long-term fugitive matters and also handle a large quantity of parole violators, federal probation violators, ACI escapees, and requests from the Attorney General's office, as well as requests from municipal and federal law enforcement agencies. As you know, this is an active and ongoing investigation, and I can provide you with these details. Dufault was located in one socket, sitting in his vehicle, that was used in the earlier incident in Little Compton. Members of the Violent Fugitive Task Force approached Dufault's vehicle in an attempt to arrest him. The detectives and U.S. Marshal immediately identified themselves and gave several verbal commands for Dufault, for Dufault to stop and exit his vehicle. Dufault attempted to flee the scene driving his vehicle directly at the officers, striking the United States Marshal, causing him to be thrown onto the hood of Dufault's vehicle. Dufault drove forward, striking the unmarked state police cruiser and pinning a Rhode Island state police detective between the two vehicles. Two officers discharged their firearms and Dufault was fatally wounded. Life-saving measures were given by the officers following the incident. He was transported to Landmark Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. The Rhode Island Office of Attorney General Use of Force Response Protocol was immediately initiated. The investigation is being conducted by members of the Rhode Island State Police Detective Bureau in conjunction with the Rhode Island Attorney General, the United States Marshal Service, and the Winsaka Police Department. We later learned that Dufault was a suspect in a bank robbery that occurred on Monday, April 25th at the Navigant Credit Union located at 20 Dexter Street in Pawtucket. The two state police detectives involved in this incident are Detective Gregory DeMarco and Detective Theodore Gibbons. Both are tenured veterans of the Rhode Island State Police and are both assigned to the Violent Fugitive Task Force. We anticipate releasing additional details in the coming days. Does anyone have any questions? Folks, this is Colonel Jim Manny, Rhode Island State Police. Officer fired. Did multiple officers fire the 
One member of the Brown State Police fired, discharged his duty weapon, and the United States Marshal also discharged his weapon. Once again, this is an active and ongoing investigation, and we anticipate releasing more details on that in the next couple of days. Is Mr. DeMarco armed? Yeah, Mr. DeMarco is a state police detective, yes. I'm sorry, forgive me. Was he armed? A firearm was located on his person, yes. Did he discharge it? It's active and ongoing right now, so let's... let's, uh, I don't think he did. ...release more information as it's... uh, as we release in the next couple of days, but I'm not. April 25th. I'm not sure if you said this, but about what time did they approach the vehicle there in Wintaka? Folks, this is from the shooting Wednesday night, Wintaka. Major payment was at about 6.30 p.m.? 6.30 p.m. I thought it was 7.30. Default? Yes. Yes. Capital D, small u, F-A-U-L. You know, whenever there's, um, now, I've learned also, and again, folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. I, um, this portion of the program brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Stop in and see them. Uh, they're waiting for Rhode Island's number one garden center, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown, right off of Route 4. Look for them on Facebook. The, um, I have learned that I believe he, he contacted and, and called someone and said where he was and that he was waiting. He claims claims that this woman, that of her or family member, they stole $80,000 out of a safe of, I think, his girlfriend's house. And so it was, it was some, I don't, I don't know, you know, this disagreement over the money or whether or not the money was actually stolen. Uh, it, it's also, so I believe he called and said he was waiting there. And I think the person uh, that was li- lived right around there of what why he was up in the area right there at the liquor store. But there's several things. His, his uh, family, a family member posted something online saying that he had a drug problem. It's also interesting to me that so many times when we hear in the news of that there's a bank robbery those are that's normally people that are how can i say it um kind of at their wits end a little bit and they when when sometimes not everybody but sometimes it's drug related and and they seem to be ready to go on a path that you know they're let they're not that concerned of how things are going to turn out put it that way all right much more ahead on the John DePietro Show. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Well, there's no way to ignore it. Uh, as I wrote on the website, dePietro.com, Governor McKee has, Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee has, he has a problem. And that problem is, you know, how do you run for governor? And he can't right now, when I say he can't, what I mean is, he doesn't want to sit down and do a full interview when, in fact, he has this problem that he he doesn't want to have to answer questions during during a debate. And it, it really stems from this FBI probe. And I also, it is unprecedented in recent memory that anyone has been elected that has been the subject of, that they, they could be indicted. Now, it's not, you know, that's not to say he is going to be indicted. But if, if you check to Petro.com, low poll numbers, the, the window is closing. He has a low approval rating right now, 42%. It's, it's going to get, wait till the negative ads start. And the fundraising is slowing down. And, you know, and if you're a business person coming in from the outside, do you really want to sit and discuss with someone, you know, any element of business? You don't know, is the person wired? You you just don't want to fall under that umbrella that they find themselves in. But this interview, uh, this uh, remark yesterday at his briefing, I want to um, just play it again. He starts off being asked about the body cameras, but I don't know if the Violent Fugitive Task Force, that'd be interesting. I don't know if they could wear body cameras because they're undercover. 
So, I don't know how that would go. I'll try to find out. But listen, he's going to talk about... He says, I want to be clear, but his office twice agreed to take part in this debate, and now they're canceling. Here it is. Well, it's Providence and the State Police. I don't know about undercover. That's interesting. Undercover police, the violent task force, them wearing body cams. I guess it would be possible. I'm not sure enough if that would blow their undercover nature. Um, Somebody could have a camera, I would imagine, with that, of the 18 of them. Here's where the question's going to be about him backing out of the debate. So low approval ratings, plummeting, actually. And here it is. Could you just uh, say why you're dropping out of the uh, RIPEC gubernatorial forum next week when all the other candidates are there? Next Thursday. Yeah, so I, I think I've been very clear, even on my announcement, uh, I was asked about that. I'll, I'll engage in these these uh, debates and, 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 and uh, forums once everybody signs their name on the line that they're, they're running, and I'm going to have to do that as well. And so the campaign in that respect will begin when, those, when that paperwork is filed. Governor, what's your reaction to the following poll, poll numbers uh, the morning consult? 18.4. Yeah, polls come and Plummet. go. We're, you know, we're focused on the work that needs to be done and, and the, uh, you know, the budget that we want to get passed for the programs that we want to. You know, he, um, first of all, Ken Block, who ran for governor, said, you know, he, he's not even, he wasn't even elected governor. You think about that. This is someone who's f- filling out the Ramundo term who's now won't take part in a government. I mean, that's how bad it is. Think about that. Like, it's he can't say, hey, listen, I won and was elected, and I have a right not to participate in this type. You weren't even elected. And I'm not, as I've been telling you, I, I think he's got a very tough road. Uh, you also have a very unpopular president. You also, you have a problem with the Democrat Party right now. The progressives are causing the the party a lot of problems but biden's causing the problem the the party a lot of problems and something to watch is what's happening at the border now you know as i've talked about president biden he wants to uh get rid of suspend title 42 which was what the trump administration put in which basically has stopped all these illegals from entering during the pandemic biden wants to get rid of that uh the democrat party it's there's a good piece of the Boston Globe. It's a wedge issue. A lot of Democrats are very concerned that at the end of, you know, the end of May, that all of these illegals are going to come flooding over the border. So I think you you also there's just a sour mood out there. And I think Governor McKee is not helped by that. He's not helped by all of these scandals. Every time you turn around, it's it seemingly is an inside deal. He just has been throwing money around left and right. He does. Um, he doesn't. He, he doesn't seem to have a lot of respect for taxpayer money. If he did, I think he'd be returning some of the money to the taxpayers. But that drop, I believe, is a culmination of that that he, he Biden is under 40 percent. And I think McKee's going to be right there with him. He's going to have a tough time um, trying to just make it through the primary. So now what they're basically saying is for May and June and now into the early part of July, He's not going to debate what Governor McKee has done, uh, maybe inadvertently, is now he's drawing more attention to the fact that he won't get on a debate stage. As I have discussed, as I have told you, and you can read it on the website, DePetro.com, he doesn't want it to be because he wasn't want, doesn't want to stand there on a stage and get pummeled about this FBI probe and some of these in, insider deals that all of this, it's hard to believe it's all happened just since last march when he he took office but that the 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 culmination of it is the fbi probe he could try to get around some of the other stuff as difficult as it is but with that looming as i've said in recent memory it it is unprecedented for someone to actually win an election while they are the subject of an fbi probe and they could be indicted and as much as people can dismiss all of that you know we were hearing i've 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 heard this before when operation plutonome burst open uh, for two years, we heard that, May, you know, Mayor Cianci didn't know these people. It was down the, down the line. People saying he wasn't going to be indicted. If he was indicted, people saying he's not going to go to trial. He did go to trial. They were saying there's no way he's going to be convicted. 
he was convicted then they're saying yeah but there's no way he's going to stay out on appeal it's going to be kicked there's no way he's going to jail then he did go to jail okay but he's not going to stay in jail then he did stay in jail i have uh i've i've seen this movie before as i like to say and i i kind of know how it ends in in the the thing about the fbi is they just peel away like an onion and they they do not move they move at a turtle's pace so the fact is here we are you know this weekend is the beginning of may and so you know they they don't they don't care that that you have a sitting governor who's really wasn't elected fulfilling gina raimondo's term and what is he going to say to to the fbi can you guys move it along i want to get cleared and vindicated before the primary there's who's number one there's no guarantee he is going to be vindicated and number two i mean you're talking about may june july or four months early voting is going to start in 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 august four months away an fbi probe completed in four months um i i don't i don't think so it it took the state police and the attorney general's office uh basically 10 months to do the investigation of bud craddock for the, with the the dmv um you know there was also a remark that people think that that's attributing to his low approval rating i don't i don't think that's what it is i think it's what i i laid out um it's it's and it's also was giving the judges the judges getting these bonuses governor mckee feels i think his office they have a false sense of when something really irks the public simply because i think they they feel you know okay it was a story for a couple of days that it went away well that doesn't mean that people weren't upset about it and i i don't buy into the fact that it went away all right much more ahead on the john DePietro show folks you're listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 and we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com right in the upper left hand side just click on listen live it's time for our legal segment joining me right now he is one of rhode island's top attorneys it is our legal expert attorney tim dodd and tim uh first story we're going to start off it's breaking in the past 24 hours and it was interesting that you know we i always complain that i that there's some loop in our our voting a lot of states around the country have tried to firm up a lot of their voting regulations how they do mail ballots voting and so forth and so there was a uh, hearing at the Rhode Island State House that actually passed in the Senate but one of the sponsors said you know there were a couple people first they said zero then it turns out it means three uh that were in fact uh apparently charged at least with with fraud involving voting and I want to give credit to Kathy Gregg of the Providence Journal jumped all over it the Attorney General did release some information and um and it's it's just you know there's three individuals but to me this is one of those things this is three that they caught yes it, it, the irony is the story is breaking as the senate is, i think very foolishly voting on this um they call it some euphemism free vote law or something along those yeah. lines but the three folks right now who are um in play um, one gentleman um, filed an attestation in Rhode Island that um, he was not registered to vote anywhere else. He votes in Rhode Island, and then he was also voting yep. in Florida. Another guy, I think, was doing the same thing in Illinois. The problem is, I mean, these three will be prosecuted. The rules are so easy to get around um, and you make this attestation that you're not registered to vote anywhere else and you can't vote anywhere else. I'm not sure how deeply the secretary of state's office is verifying the attestations that are being made. This new uh, voting uh, bill that the Senate has gone for, um, it essentially extends, John, all easing of voting restrictions that came into play during COVID. So no notary, no two witnesses required. Um, You can register for an absentee ballot online. If you don't have a driver's license, you can, um, I believe, show a social security card. And the questions have been asked, what if you don't have any of these um, 
documents, social security card or a driver's license? How does one register to vote? And the um, Secretary of State's office essentially didn't have answers to that. They didn't really say how they would accomplish these things. So it seems like it's a rush to push this legislation through without having answers. I mean, Nellie Gorbea is one of the sponsors to getting this bill to the Senate floor for a vote. And she can't answer the questions about how do you deal with some anomalies that may occur with senior citizens who don't have driver's licenses or they can't get an identification card, which Rhode Island issues. I mean, why even bother having elections? Why don't you say, well, the Democrats bother with an election. I mean, right. the, the, the possibility for fraud here, possibility, not actuality, but the possibility for fraud is tremendous and you know the opponents say we don't want to restrict voting we just want to make it hard to and it seems to me that this bill that's passed makes it very easy to cheat yeah and you know then uh, the proponents of this say well you know there's been no showing of widespread fraud well it's hard to show widespread fraud when there's no signature verification with witnesses or notaries and you can right vote by mail and you've got ballot harvesting, uh, which is still incorporated into this legislation. That's right. So what are you, what are you going to do? Have people sit in a room and try to uh, look at signature exemplars uh, on the ballot um, compared to other known exemplars of (laughs) where somebody has signed something elsewhere in their life, signed a check, signed a tax return, you know, signed something else. Um, Lastly, I mean, it's been said by many, many, many people, like, you have to show a license or identification to pack of cigarettes, to get That's on right. an airplane, to drive yep. a car, to do sure. many other critical things in life. Voting is a critical function that citizens in a democracy perform, but it should be citizens, it should be registered voters, and I don't know what the Senate's thinking um, in, in passing this in its current form. Um, if there's no COVID um, pandemic, the loosening of voter restrictions, and even Fauci is saying we're past the pandemic phase, then why are we institutionalizing um, those voting um, um voting requirements? Once right. they're codified in this law, I'm never going to get rid of it. It's only going to get worse. Um, folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. And Tim, just the, you know, <clears throat> these three individuals. So, number one, uh, as they were having the hearing, the senator, state senator from Newport, Dawn Ewer, she said, hey, you know what? Three people did, and guess what? They got If you go inside the story, it, it actually wasn't Rhode Island that was flagging them. It was, it was other states, number one, that was flagging them. There's some kind of an online group that also, you know, somehow got a hold of this and, and they must have access to databases. And then they, you know, flagged one of the states or something like that. And the other thing, Tim Dodd, that shouldn't be lost on me. Well, it's not, it shouldn't be lost on everyone. It's not lost to me is what, what ultimately seemed to trip these three up was the element of then placing something in the mail compared with, you know, they want to move to all these drop boxes. And if you take out the drop boxes, then, then there's no mail fraud. Then there are people, they, they're not even seemingly looking at, it, it, it seems very conceivable that there other people could have been, you know, voting more than once. I, I doubt it was just these three, but it's like they're the three that got. Yes, you can, you have to presume there's more than just these three in, in the entire state. These three um, got caught. Um, but that's the trick. You loosen the voting requirements um, let's assume there's fraud through mail ballots just for the sake of this discussion. And then there's a questionable election result. You say there had to be fraud here. And those who like the results say, well, prove it. Well, it's very hard to prove it when there's no verification of signature, no verification who the person is. No, it, it's, it's just too lax. You can't prove the fraud. It's built no. into the system. Yes. And as far as the signature verification, I know that some of the proponents of it were saying, 
you know, well, we have signature verification, but what they don't mention, and I know from, you know, studying this, we've talked about it, is an X is, is an acceptable signature. So it's one thing if someone is trying to, you know, mimic the signature of Tim Dodd, but it's pretty tough to say, I don't think that's his X. Right. I mean, and basically, you just put an X, there's another X. I don't know how someone argues that it doesn't look like it's the same X. And that's where you need the two witnesses or the notary. That would take care of most of the fraud. Eliminating yes. those two requirements opens Pandora's box for all kinds of fraud. How, yeah. can you ha how can you possibly have a system where no one's verifying that the voter is the person signing the ballot? It's crazy. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and Tim Dodd also, now they're all, I believe, going to be arraigned next month. This, this is the first case that I, I can recall uh, in some time. I guess there's some kind of a national verification that clicked in. It, it seems as though under Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, whatever program they put in, that seems to be what clicked off. And then they notified the Rhode Island authorities. It didn't seem to be coming, uh, not that I saw on the Rhode Island end. That's wrong. right. That's my yeah. understanding as well, that Rhode Island didn't start the investigation. They didn't uncover the fraud. Another no. state had to say, hey, Rhode Island, you got some fraud voters yeah. on your hands. Yeah. Um, and, and I believe also uh, Governor DeSantis, Tim Dodd, he's also he just did. It. Yes, they introduced. He's going to have a special group or section or commission that that's what they're going to do is look for. Because he was saying. You know, just the way this is built up, you even you can't even get the uh, if Kathy Gregg of the Providence Journal went to the Board of Elections. They tried to point her off and say, oh, no, it's not us. It's it's Gorbea's office. His office is saying, oh, it's us. And then they decide whether or not they send it to the attorney general. Uh, there's a lot of hot potato going on. I think DeSantis has the right. He's moving in the right direction. Why not have that? That's what they do. They they look for it. They ensure it's not happening. Someone that's accountable, and importantly, if someone suspects it, that's who you contact and have them investigate. Because right now, if if someone picks up the phone and calls Cranston Police and says, and said, you know, I think I see someone, or I know of my neighbor is is voting more than once, I I don't think Cranston Police would would take the case or even know what to do with it. I agree, and I think Ron DeSantis is doing. You know, I'm sure the proponents of this uh, legislation in Rhode Island would say that's going to suppress the vote. That's going to make people afraid to come out and vote or some they'll have a story for it. But I think with all the shenanigans going on nationally with what's perceived to be, if not fraud, then certainly voting anomalies and all of the danger associated with the loosening of uh, voting requirements to have, you know, a task force to make sure that we're not having yep. fraudulent voters um, stuffing the ballot box, if you will, is, I think, we, we, our whole entire government is a system of checks and balances. So That's I guess right. if one side wants to make voting absurdly easy with no... Um, cross-checking for who you are and if that's your signature and if that's you that's voting a balance to that which would be what DeSantis is doing which seems yeah. ultim uh, imminently reasonable folks quick break much more our legal expert attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show portion of the program brought to you by the Coesed Inn check them out on the website dipetro.com the Coesed Inn or Rhode Island tradition since 1977, located 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge, whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers, there's always a great crowd. You can link directly to them, and gift certificates are available. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. You're listening to The John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 .9 FM. Now, as you know, we've obviously been discussing everything uh, that's happening at the border, but more importantly, that's about to seemingly happen at the border. Joining us right now from our friends at FAIR, and that is Research Director Spencer Raleigh. Spencer, it is, um, it's actually daunting to think of what could happen starting in late May and for the summer as the Biden administration seems to be pivoting to just a complete open border. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we're looking right now, we just saw the uh, 
the apprehension numbers for March, and it was over 220,000, which is very close to the highest that we've ever seen in this country. It was only surpassed by a little bit in early 2000. Now, of those, a little over 100,000 were removed uh, under Title 42, and that's kind of been the norm. About half have been removed by Title 42 over the last couple of years. But that is ending in May. So what we're about to see is most of those individuals that are being removed from Title 42 are going to be released into the country. And that's something at this point Border Patrol will not be able to handle. They'll just have to release individuals in the country not knowing where they're going, uh, not being able to give them notices to appear. It, it's going to be it's going to be a major problem. And let's uh, let's just back up and explain to people it was it was President Trump that really ended the, the as they call it the catch and release. Uh, and th- this happens where you know maybe they're they're brought in, uh, they never return to for their for their hearing. Uh, the remain in Mexico seemingly far more effective in the Biden administration. You even have Democrats, Spencer Riley, that are willing to step up and say, wait a minute, we, we have to come up with another plan instead of just ending Title 42. Right, right. Yeah, because I think it's very important to realize that what the Biden administration has done is they've not just unrolled everything that Trump did to get control of the southern border. They're going they're going much further. You know, we're seeing these encounters, these apprehensions uh, reach record numbers. We're seeing ICE being handcuffed. They're they're essentially not allowed to apprehend and deport the vast majority of illegal aliens. So when you combine that with, you know, nearly a quarter million people coming into the country every month, you're creating a crisis unlike any ever seen in the immigration sphere now there are a number of democrats that are coming out and at least showing concern about ending title 42 without something in place to kind of stem the 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 large number of individuals coming into the country but at the same time when i really look at what they're proposing it, it, it seems to be just your standard congressional, like we're putting on a show to pretend that we're concerned because they know what's coming in November. There's very little that actually holds the administration accountable, makes them actually uh, use other forms of removal that are at their disposal or actually re-implementing the Remain in Mexico uh, process, which, of course, was uh, reinstated by a judge. But at this point, the administration has only put a few hundred illegal aliens into that program. So it's essentially still not being used. So I think it's good that even Democrats are starting to see the poll numbers. They're starting to see that the American people don't support the Biden administration on this topic. But at the same time, we got to continue to keep them accountable because at this point, they're just uh, they're just feigning concern and not really implementing real change. Folks, again, you're listening to the John DePedro show with us is Spencer Raleigh from FAIR Research Director. And, and Spencer, just to give people an idea, I mean, the amount of encounters, I believe, in the month of March, it's it's really frightening when you think about it. And what people also need to realize is, as you know, late spring, uh, May into June, and then summertime, That that's really, so to speak, like the busy peak travel season. So these two things combining, the fact that so many started coming over when just the fact that President Biden was in office, you, you could see unprecedented uh, demand of people just showing up at the border. And the frightening thing is here is it's the Biden administration policies that would there'd be nothing to prevent them from entering the country. Right. And that's I think that's the biggest concern, because even if we look at the past, when some of the apprehension numbers were nearly as high as they are now, uh, most of those individuals were apprehended they were either returned immediately or they were kept in uh you know in processing facilities or given ntas in the rare cases that they were released in the country the biden administration policy once title 42 is ended is with the exception of a very small number i'm talking less than five percent of those that are entering the country illegally each month they will be released into the country undetained and you know this is still during a time period where the our uh, our economy is recovering from the COVID 19 pandemic there's still a lot of restrictions and you know individuals are still re-entering the workforce it's going to be a major hit to our economy with illegal alien with criminal illegal aliens diving 
being allowed to be apprehended or deported. There's a certain element of, you know, criminality that we have to be concerned about as well. And of course, we just, you know, saw the news stories of more than a dozen uh, individuals crossing the border were at or uh, apprehended with ties to terrorism. So all of these are things that should concern the American people. We should be using our honorable members of the Border Patrol to allow them to do their job and apprehend and remove these individuals uh, from the border. And of course, that has to be coupled with removing the incentives for illegal immigration in the first part, in the first place. And the Biden administration is just not doing that. They're adding more. They want more illegal immigration in the United States. And, and Spencer, what are some of the things that fear would advocate for that will play in with some of those in Congress? Well, well, the first thing that really needs to happen, because we saw it implemented, we know it works, is the Remain in Mexico program needs to be fully re-implemented, as well as the agreements with third countries in the Northern Triangle. Essentially, those that are wanting to come to the United States claiming asylum, they should be seeking that in the first safe country. They should not be asylum shopping their way to their preferred location. Individual And, and the, again, those individuals should be required in many instances, especially when we are we're pretty sure that their asylum claims are bogus, as most are, more than 90 percent. They should be required to stay in Mexico because when that was required under the Trump administration, it, it, it kept individuals from being incentivized to filing bogus claims, knowing they'd be released in the country. And more importantly, that allowed us to focus on the asylum applications that we knew were probably valid. We're talking individuals that are coming from, you know, war-torn countries, even Ukraine, areas like that. What the, the individuals that really end up hurting uh, in the middle of all this are those that we actually need to be helping. So that, that's the first thing that really needs to happen. And like I mentioned, we need to cut off some of the magnets for illegal immigration, You know, whether that's seriously entertaining, uh, implementing a mandatory form of E-Verify, where workers or employers have to verify that whoever they're hiring is uh, lawfully permitted to work in the United States. And of course, also just allowing ICE to do their job, to act those that are in the country without authorization, process them, and ultimately remove them. Folks, again, we're speaking with Spencer Riley. And, and Spencer, what so far, before I let you go, uh, any hint of what the Biden administration may, may do on this? Because th this will garner, I mean, you're talking about an unpopular president, and it, it already is garnering a lot of attention. They, they have to react to rescinding Title 42. Well, at this point, we just saw a budget proposal for DHS that was released recently. And essentially what they are asking for, it, it, on the surface, it looked good. But, of course, we know there was an ulterior motive because we saw hiring more Border Patrol agents, you know, putting up cameras and border security methods. But when we actually looked at the line by line, these weren't individuals to apprehend and remove illegal aliens. These were individuals whose jobs are to act as kind of a welcoming committee. They encounter these illegal aliens, process them into the country, and, you know, just try to get them through that process as fast as possible. Because what the Biden administration doesn't want are pictures of kids in cages like we saw all over the last few years. It's not that they're trying to keep those individuals from coming in the first place. They just want to process them as fast as possible. They want to continue this kind of fundamental restructuring of American society. And... Yeah, it's not it's not resounding with the American public, but this really seems like a hill that the Biden administration is willing to die on, just continuing to encourage more illegal immigration in the United States. And instead of trying to deter it, just processing those individuals in as fast as possible. Folks, again, it is Spencer Riley of the 